0141-951-1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Steve Clark says Scotland's busy schedule could boost their Euro 2020 hopes. Could fans be back in grounds within weeks of the season kicking off? And Stephen Robinson's waiting for a Northern Ireland call after interviewing for the job. I'm Andrew McLean. Joining me in the studio tonight is Gordon DL. Yeah, good evening, Andrew. It's been an absolutely fantastic day. Uh, sun shining, everybody in good spirits, I hope. And lots to talk about, as you said, there at the top of the show about Scotland about will I lose my motherable manager? I don't think so. He will be staying. Uh, obviously, crowds, uh, great debate about that. There's a bit of hope, but it's gentle steps, small steps at the moment. But uh, everything's positive. Teams started back their pre-season, preparing for a new season, new signings coming in, talk of players going to clubs, talk of players leaving clubs. So a lot going on in football just now. You mentioned the sun shining today. I've yeah. been working hard. I've been in the office preparing for the show, so I didn't know what the weather was like outside. But you've come in and you've done what we call a Mark Wilson, which is you've come in and we've been able to tell straight away it's been sunny because your face is bright red. <laughs> I think you're referring to my nose, and I think you've been very polite there. Uh, yeah, I was on the bike today, a little cycle out in the sunshine. Got to make the most of it. Uh, one or two of the boys out in the golf course, but I decided to go on the bike and really enjoyed it. And I'm sure there's a few people listening in their back. Gardens to now join a nice fresh cup of tea a nice cup of tea and you can give us a call as well while you're enjoying that 0141 951 1025 make sure you get involved or you can send us a tweet at Clyde SSB lots to get through tonight the first of which is Scotland boss Steve Clark because he's been speaking today for the first time in what seems like a long time obviously the national team haven't been together for a very long time now he's speaking about the upcoming international schedule it's been released it's very busy Scotland have two games in September three games in October the first of those the crucial Nations League playoff semi-final against Israel which we were just weeks away from seeing before we all went into lockdown and then after that two Nations League games in November as well as hopefully a potential playoff final away to Norway or Serbia it's certainly a, a packed international schedule which you don't normally get Gordon but I suppose it'll be good for Steve Clark to actually just get the players together and get a run of games together which you don't really get in international management yeah, unless it's a tournament yeah I think it will be for the, the, the international manager I think if you look at the fixtures that um, the players are going to have at club level as well as international uh, it's really going to uh, test them this season Andrew I know that you can look back and say well I've had a, a well rest as in since March uh, three months or whatever it may be so they should be up and running but it still takes a lot it's a lot of games to cram in uh, and the big one obviously is the semi-final one against Israel and uh, Will we have fans in the stadium by that time? Whether it's small amount of fans, don't know. But it would surely help our cause. Well, players are, are used to it at the moment, the way football is, playing Wednesday, Saturday, Thursday, Sunday. It's happened for a good few seasons now. But this season, you think it's just going to be ramped up because the seasons are starting a bit later. You've got to cram in cup competitions from this season and last season. You've got, you know, there's Premier League television, uh, Football on the television at the moment, you know, they're starting their season late, but especially up here, we've got all sorts of cup competitions. There's these internationals, we've got you know, four teams that will be competing in Europe next season with the qualifiers. It's uh, I feel sorry for the ones that have to do the scheduling. Yeah, I think uh, players uh, sometimes come in for a bit of criticism, they get it so easy, but they're certainly not they're going to earn their money next season. 
I think managers are going to earn their money. I think that clubs will need to really strengthen their squads because they're going to need a big pool of players to help them. Um, I was talking earlier there about, you know, trying to get some amount of, whether it's small or, you know, a bit larger crowds into games. I'm a great lover of watching football on the TV. I love the English Premiership. Andrew, I love match of the day like most people on a Monday. Eh, sorry, on a Saturday night. But since uh, it started, I get real interested, got get excited in the first two or three games. But watching the games without crowds now is absolutely boring me to death. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are feeling the same way. Um, so the sooner, and obviously it's all down to safety first and foremost, we can get people back into the grounds the better for football. Well, we want to hear your thoughts at home 01419511025 Let's hear from Scotland boss Steve Clark Because he says he's pleased to have two matches Before they get into their Euro 2020 playoff He says the lead-in is essential As everyone will be at different stages We'll get to the September games And there'll be a little bit mix and match And some players up to speed Some players not quite up to speed But it'll just be nice for me and the coaching staff To get the, to get the lads back together And reinforce the principles that we that we tried to bed in at the end of the last campaign and, and, and hopefully that will carry us forward into the rest of the games. It was one of the representations that I know that Ian Maxwell made to UEFA that the playoff games, or the, play, the first playoff game wasn't scheduled for September, it was scheduled for late, later on in the window. And, I, and I'm sure every other international nation would have been saying the same. Those two games in September will be important just to get everyone back together and focused on their international football as opposed to their club football. Yeah, I think Steve Clark's saying it there. He's desperate to get um, you know, get his players back, uh, have a look at their fitness, see where they are at the time. Just back to working, Andrew. Um, you know, as much as people say, well, an international uh, manager's job just now must be the most comfortable because I was just asking you, it's something like 10 months since Steve Clark's actually worked with these players and had a game. So... He'll be desperate, desperate. I know that he'll be sitting in the house watching games, you know, looking at players, um, you know, everywhere to see what's the best to bring into the squad. New names will be getting thrown at him all the time, but it's not the same. You've got to really get on that training ground, get a feel for your players, make sure that they're fit, make sure that they're prepared, organisation into it, you know, the videos, everything, the tactics that go with it. So I'm sure Steve Clark will be desperate to hit the ground running. Those two games in September are going to be an awkward one because, well, we're hoping at the moment that the Scottish Premiership is going to be back by the 1st and 2nd of August. That will mean that you know our players will have a few weeks to, to build up and they'll be at, at full speed. But the English Premiership is on at the moment and they're then going to have a break and then they'll have to go back into pre-season and the next Premier League season doesn't kick off until after this first round of Nations League fixtures that Scotland have so it's going to be very awkward for Steve Clark because you're going to have some players north of the border mm -hmm. who have been playing for a good few weeks or up to full speed and then you've got the likes of I mean Kieran Tierney's on the television at the moment you've got Scott McTominay John McGinn loads of players from down south who are at the very start of their season who have, haven't even kicked the ball competitively yet Well the manager did mention that there there's going to be different uh, level of fitness for different players of course there are um, and probably our best players I'm not being disrespectful Are probably from down south um, But it's just a case of managing them You know they get all the best of treatment They're well looked after now um, You know they've got to be nurtured along Very carefully 
And I'm sure that Steve Clark and his staff will certainly be looking at that and they'll be prepared for that. 01419511025 if you want to get involved, anything you want to talk about tonight, or you can send us a tweet at Clyde SSB. You think it's not the best preparation though, if you've got that playoff game in October, you'd really like those two games in September to be able to, you know, this is our best eleven. We'll play them in both games, we'll get them up to speed, we'll get them working together, we'll get them linking up well. You just won't have that luxury. Well, the the only thing I will say, Andrew, is uh, the positive for me is two or three months ago, this we, we could be looking at football not returning for another season. You know, so it's a positive. Uh, yes, it's not perfect. Of course it's not. You're watching the English Premiership just now uh, come to a close. Liverpool are going to win the title. No fans there to celebrate. But it, it's just because of the situation we've just got to make the best of it and got on with it Steve Clark will know that the players will know that players are very professional now look after themselves unbelievable uh, so it's just it's just the, the way things are and uh, as I say we just need to go on with it and make the best of it I always think the fans on the ground is one that you can maybe sort of flip both ways you think you know you, you want a packed Hamden in there for the game against Israel for the playoff semi-final to to get us into that final but you know if someone says to you you know you'll be playing against Norway or Serbia away from home and they'll have no home fans there for those games you think maybe that's a bit of a positive for Scotland yeah people can look at it I look at it differently I always whether I didn't have any fans falling you know if it was for instance Wraith Rovers going to Ibrox when I played at Wraith and Rangers had a full house here I would much rather play front of 40 odd thousand Rangers supporters same at Celtic Park I just think as a player, uh, atmosphere's everything, crowd's everything. Um, you look at, for instance, the old firm one just now that people talk about that Rangers only get 800 tickets when they go to Celtic Park, Celtic supporters only get 800 tickets when they come to Ibrox, and yet probably Stephen Gerrard's best result uh, since he was a manager at Rangers was at Celtic Park with 800 fans there and 50-odd thousand Celtic supporters. So it shows you the atmosphere. If you're a player, I think it's much better. As I say, you just need to look at the English Premiership now. You ask any of the players that's playing, if they would rather play in front of 50,000 you know, fans, whether they're, they're home fans or away fans, they would certainly say yes, because I'm really getting fed up with it. It's boring me to, to tears now. Is that a thing, as a player on the pitch, that you would just rather the noise because you don't really know, you know... <laughs> The noise is just noise to you when you're playing football. Mm. You're not focusing in on who they're shouting for, who they're for, who they're against. It's just an atmosphere, a noise for you to get wrapped up and for you to get hyped up in. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's what football players um, enjoy doing. Uh, whether it's in front of their own fans or away from home. As I say, um, I've been to you know Celtic Parts and, and Hamden's and, and pa- uh, uh, sorry, Ibrox and it's all Rangers Celtic supporters but it doesn't matter it's the excitement of the supporters you want a you know the atmosphere you you get your energy off that atmosphere so i just think the players all around the world would prefer supporters in i remember my first uh, old firm game uh, at celtic park and the noise was incredible and celtic had three quarters of the ground but i've got to say it was one of the most enjoyable games i've ever played in 
01419511025 Let's hear from Scotland boss Steve Clark again He says Billy Gilmore will have a good chance of featuring for Scotland soon But only if he's getting game time for Chelsea And showing his pre-lockdown form He says the teenager has a big career ahead of him with the national team But that there doesn't need to be a rush to get him involved Billy's going to be a big, big part of the, the, the future of Scottish football uh, I think it would be wrong to speculate just now Whether he'll be in the squad in September Because... That would be unfair on every other player that I can pick. Midfield's a really strong division for me, but I've got some fantastic players in the midfield. It's, it's great competition for places. Billy hasn't he hasn't featured yet for Chelsea since uh, the, the game restarted, and I, I just hope to see him on the pitch and, and playing as well as he as well as he was before the lockdown. And if he's doing that, then he'd obviously have a good chance of being involved. That's the thing. It's it's interesting because Billy Gilmore could potentially benefit from the fact that the Israel game's moved because mm-hmm. if he does feature for Chelsea and ends up being positive in those games then he could well step up because he was originally in the under-21 squad for that lot of internationals but if he can step up and he can make a positive impact for Chelsea then Steve Clark says he's open to bringing him into the squad Well he's certainly, the way he's going about his business a young lad, he's certainly going to have a big future as a Scotland international whether that's just now because if you look at our midfield I think it's probably the strongest part of the, the team. Uh, the, the competition for places in there is very, very strong. We've got really good quality players in there. Billy Gilmore's burst onto the scene uh, with Chelsea. Some of his performances have, have been excellent. Uh, he's not in the team just now. It'll be interesting to see if he plays tonight against Manchester City. Uh, but he's certainly one for the future. And I'm sure Steve Clark will just, you know, maybe just his first two or three invite him into the squad get him to know the players get him to know the setup. you know promote him from the under 21s into the full international squad let him travel if we have to you know when we're travelling just get him used to the full setup. whether it's time just now to throw him right in uh, I just think that we've got players just in that midfield area that are established and I think Billy Gilmore's turn will certainly come because he's a wonderful talent it's certainly something Scotland haven't done over the years, just sort of to throw in youngsters. When you look at, I'll use Wales as an example, because they've mm. always been one over the last few years that when they've had players coming through at top clubs, even if they've not been featuring for you know, the senior side, some of them haven't even made a, their professional you know, debut yet at club level yet. You know, they've been brought in by Wales, they've been starting games, Wales ended up you know, making it to major tournaments, they've done well, but different things suit different countries, of course, but you know, we, we could maybe benefit from taking more risks. By the time, by the time our, our games come along, Andrew, if we've got quite a few injuries in that middle of the park and we line up and someone says Billy Gilmore's starting tonight for Scotland and his first international cap, I'd be delighted for the boy. I'd have no fears for the boy. I think he can ha- he would handle it, no problem. But I just think with a full squad and everyone fit, I think the midfield just now is the strongest there. Great competition for places. A lot of good, good talent there. I just think that Steve Clark will look at it and think, yeah, the boy's turn will come, but we'll just nurture him along nice and slow. But if he had to get thrown into the deep end, I would have no problem with that at all. He could well be hampered as well by the fact that the English Premier League is now in the business end of the season and every game matters, every point matters. So Frank Lampard might not be as inclined to throw him into that Chelsea team and, and, and give him starts. He, you know, he certainly trusts him. He's said that before, but if he's got more experienced options there, maybe Billy Gilmore might end up sitting out a few more games if 
Chelsea are you know trying to to reach for higher spots on the table. Well, Chelsea now are allowed to go into the transfer market, and um, what happens is. Billy Gilmore got an opportunity And you've got to say The games he played in He was outstanding And Frank Lampard Came out and said that about him Once again As a young player And it's it's happened to You go and speak to NX Pro As a young player You get thrown in there You get Two, three, four games And then the manager decides To bring you back out Give you a little bit of a rest And just Pick the games to put you back in and gradually get you confident enough to get in and play five, six, seven, eight games in a row. And it's just about, you know, looking after the player. But as I said earlier, I think the boy's got a wonderful talent. And if it had to be a case of we've got a few injuries in that area and Billy Gilmore's picked and he's ready to play, I've no problem. I think he would handle it. Another interesting point that Steve Clark touched on today in his media interviews was that he says he's had positive talks with Lyndon Dykes about a potential switch of his nationality to Scotland. What camp are you in? Are you Lyndon Dykes for Scotland, or would you do you not think he's he's maybe what we need? Uh, I don't really know. I'm sitting on the fence with this one. Um, I quite I quite like him. What I've not seen a lot of him, uh, but he's a handful. But we look up front. I would say Griffiths is now coming back and hopefully we can get him back to his best because he's a big player for Scotland uh, McBurney I'm not the greatest fan I've got to say but uh, if someone down south is prepared to pay 20 million for him they obviously see a lot in him uh, that's a that's a marmite for me McBurney um, but I think that Dykes I don't really know Andrew I, I, as I say I've not I think I think he comes alive in the the big games. You know, it's televised against the likes of Celtic and Rangers. He's a handful, and and he gets recognised the way he puts himself about, and uh, he's obviously got something. Whether Steve Clark thinks he's got enough to say, right, okay, get him in if we can, and start him is a different matter. But I think the best centre forward we've got now, suited to Scotland, is Lee Griffiths. And that's the thing, there's no one that over the past few years has come in and made that position their own. There's players that have had you know, a couple of flurries of goals here and there, but no one consistently has come in and you'd say, there we are, that is Scotland's number nine. I think it's a, I think it's the hardest position in the pitch to play because you're really up there as a lone striker. Uh, you're depending on you know other people making chances for you. Depends on what style Steve Clark's going to adapt with Scotland. Uh, if he's going to go say for instance back to front then Lee Griffiths is no good to him um, you know there's, so there's there's a lot of different ways that you play as a striker depending on the style the manager wants to play if you can get balls into Lee Griffiths get him on the shoulder put balls through the defence let him run onto him he's a perfect guy if you're going to punt balls up the park and try and feed off the second one then you look at a, a Dykes a McBurney coming in there a bit of you know, a bit of uh, presence, if you know what I mean. So it'll be just down to Steve Clark and the style he's going to adapt as a Scotland manager. 0141-951-1025. We want to hear from you. After the break, we'll be talking about the potential of fans being in grounds within weeks of the season starting. That's all coming after the travel with Stephen. Number one for football in Glasgow and the West. 0141-951-1025. Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Gordon DL here with me, Andrew McLean, in the second part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. You can join us as well on 0141 951 
1025 A story from yesterday Gordon That I was wanting to get your reaction Obviously with your, your motherable hat on Stephen Robinson interviewing for the Northern Ireland job It's my understanding the interviews are complete The candidates are now just waiting On the final decision now Which could well happen in the next day or so I'm not surprised that uh, Obviously they've asked permission to speak to him um, he's, he's, he's doing such a fantastic job at Motherwell and I'm sure the Motherwell fans don't want to lose him. Alan Burroughs certainly doesn't want to lose him. Uh, I think there's now talk of uh, a new contract for him. So that may sway him just to stay there. Um, but it's always always nice for a club. If someone comes in for your manager, it shows that he's doing a good job, first and foremost. And I do believe Motherwell have handled this really well because they could easily turn around and say, no, they're not getting permission to speak to him because he's under contract. And I think that the fact that they've turned around and said, okay, on you go. As a manager, you look at your club and you think, right, that's that's fair enough. You go and speak to the, the, the people in Northern Ireland and then you come back, you make a decision. And I think that Steve Robinson will make the decision whether he gets offered the job or not. I think he'll stay at Motherwell. He'll be a very hard man to replace for Motherwell because he's been, he seems like such a good fit for the club, I always think. I think, um, yeah, I think it's all about timing. Um, I remember watching Motherwell at one point, Andrew, about two or three seasons ago, and they were very, you know, route one football, uh, let's say. And people say, well, they played to their strength. They had Bowman and people like that up front, and they just went back to front. And the Motherwell fans, obviously I come from there, big Motherwell supporter, the Motherwell fans basically... We're getting turned off with it, the style of football. And then all of a sudden, this this young bunch of players come through and the style of football changed. And fair play to the manager. He went with the young players, he gave them the opportunity and they responded. And uh, they played some attractive football, uh, you know, finishing third in the league achievement. They've been to cup finals. So... And obviously, that he's brought players through that he can sell. And he continuously... Every season changes the team, and it, it's and it's a very difficult job because he knows that teams are going to come in and take his best players. So he's got to keep working, uh, you know, looking at different players down south from the lower leagues, getting them up here and turning them into better players. And he's doing that, and I think everyone at Motherwell is very happy with the job he's doing. Um, but I'm not surprised that Northern Ireland have uh, put him on the radar. But um, I will be surprised if he leaves. Well, in a second, we will be talking about the potential for maybe crowds of up to thirty thousand uh, thirty thousand pounds. pounds. Thank you very much. Uh, thirty thousand being in grounds by the end of August. A potential chance for that. We'll look into that. But first of all, we'll speak to Ian in Blantyre. Ian, hello there. Are you keeping me all keeping well. Hi, Ian. Yes, we are. Uh, thanks, Gordon. Uh, I just want to talk about the. Potential of about Lee, not Lee Griffiths over the likes of the likes of Scott McTominay and the other play you're talking about, Lyndon Dykes. I think Lee Griffiths would be the best. Ian, do you mean Ollie McBurney and McBurney. not Scott McTominay? O- Ollie McBurney, not Scott McTominay. <laughs> yeah. And the other point I would like to make is all about the the Mallow manager. I don't think the Mallow manager should go because I, I like I like Robinson. Really like him. Yeah, I think I think everyone at Motherwell likes him as well, and uh, everyone hopes that he's going to stay uh, for next season. That's but I, yeah, but I'll be. Yeah, but I like I like Motherwell myself. 
Yeah, I know a lot of Rangers fans that like Motherwell, uh, Ian, to be honest with you. Uh, but I do uh, agree, I think, that uh, hopefully he will stay at Motherwell because I think everyone concerned there wants him to stay first and foremost. But you get on to your Lee Griffiths uh, debate there with McBurney and if Dykes comes in, that's a question mark with Dykes. That's up to Steve Clark to sit down and have a chat. But I go back to, if you're a striker and most teams and probably Scotland will play with the one striker up top, it's how Steve Clark plays. You know, there's no point. I believe that just now Lee Griffiths is a, a, our best striker. But we've got to play to Lee Griffiths' strength. And if we decide that, you know, we're going to be a sort of a get the ball to the full back, get it up to the front man, and then get our midfield, which is very strong, up in support, I don't think Lee Griffiths is a man. We've got to play the strength. So it's up to Steve Clark to decide what formation, what style of football he's going to play and then fit his best players into that. He's good with Celtic. He is very good with Celtic. That's, that's what I say about, about Lee Griffiths. Yeah, but he's good He's good with Celtic when he plays because of the players around about him, because of the formation, the style of football that Celtic play. And it suits Lee Griffiths down to a tee. But if you go to another team, and that's not the same style, and you start hitting the ball long, then Lee Griffiths will not be effective. I don't care how many times you hit the ball up the park. He will not be effective, but he's suited to Celtic because of the style of football Celtic play. Yeah, when Lee Griffiths was playing his best football last season, towards the end of last season when he was playing, Celtic were really playing that 3-5-2, weren't they? And he was up top with, with Odds and Edward. Can you see Steve Clark doing anything like that? Uh, I don't know. He may. Um, I think what, ha- what helped uh, Griffiths, and this is why I keep harping on about style of play, you know, Edward played up there, but didn't play just alongside him. He played in front. He went short and took defenders and Griffiths played on the shoulder of defender. That's where his strength is, getting in behind, making those darting runs, Andrew. So it suited him down to a tee. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what formation, because you look at, for instance, once we get everybody back fit, once again we'll go down to the big question mark. How do you fit two terrific fullbacks into your team? Because you've got Andy Robertson at Liverpool and Tierney, who we're watching just now. Yeah, he's had a hard time of it since he went down south, uh, but he's playing tonight. And there's no doubt he's a terrific left back. So, depending how he looks at his team and his formation. Well, thank you to Ian N. Blantar. 01419511025 to get involved. And we want to hear your thoughts on this. A story in the Scottish Daily Mail this morning saying Celtic are targeting crowds of up to 30,000 by the end of August. So we know the Scottish Government have said that crowds could potentially be allowed at live events as early as late July. That's permitting, you know, what the R number is like, what the, the, the death rate is like at this point. There's a lot of variables at this point, but um, they're saying that it's something that will come into consideration late in July. I think it's the 23rd of July. With social distancing measures expected to move down to one metre at some point in the near future, Celtic seem to think there's a real potential that they could get, you know, half half a ground in by the end of August, which is so much earlier than I think anyone expected. Yeah, that would be such a terrific bonus for any club to get supporters in. Uh, as I said, you can watch uh, terrific football players. The game's all about supporters. It's all about supporters being there. Um, whether it's 30,000 in at Celtic Park, whether it's 25,000 in at Ibrox because of the capacity, um, you know, and you go to St Mirren, whether it's a couple of thousand in there, Motherwells, and as long as you get people in and 
try to create some atmosphere to it. And plus the fact, fans are desperate to get back to football. Now, as I said about being bored with the the, the football in England, it's the thing that's missing for me is the atmosphere, Andrew. You know, you can sit and watch the football and think, yeah, that's good playing, good build-up play, great passing and whatever. I just think that sitting watching a, a game and there's no atmosphere or going to a game, there's no atmosphere. For instance, you're looking now that the first Celtic Rangers game is going to be round about the October mark. If there are no supporters in that ground, their biggest game. Now, I'm not going to complain because I didn't think it might be a situation back in March you're thinking I would take anything just now. But if you're going to sit there and watch it, yeah, I think it's going to be the strangest game in the world. But you just have to go on with it. I would much rather have supporters in there, but safety comes first, we know that. Yeah, that's the thing. As long as it's done safely, it could be a very good thing for everyone in Scottish football. There's certainly a lot of variables when it comes to it. There's a few things that I'm interested in that I, I'm just not really sure how it's going to work. Fans funneling mm. in and out of the grounds, if there is that still one metre distance that they're having to keep with each other that's not going to be an easy or a quick process fans going to the toilets during the game lots of things that, that still need to be considered and need to be decided on yeah and could you imagine right this is when you look at it you've got Celtic v Rangers and you do happen to get 30,000 in there and it's well controlled and one of the teams score you know, that, there's that, no way that you'll be able yeah, to that, keep fans apart. That's going to be the biggest, biggest problem. Um, it certainly is. But um, we've got plenty of time um, to look at that and, and try and plan ahead. As I say, there's a lot of positives, Andrew, because teams are back now. The excitement for fans is, you know, looking the papers or listening to this show to see who their team's signing, the new players coming in, how the pre-season's going, what sort of fixtures is going to come along very soon, and the season starting in August the 1st as well. So there's a lot of positives out there, but we've just got to be very, very careful we don't get ahead of ourselves. Take it small steps, and just, you know, it's every sort of a week, and hopefully by the time this all comes around, we can get some supporters in. Now, you know the next question is going to ask, if there are 30,000 Celtic supporters, for instance, at a home game, if there are 25,000 supporters at Rangers, if there are 2,000 at Motherwell or whatever, the supporters are going to ask, how do they pick them? Who mm -hmm. gets in? You know, that's going to be the next problem as well. How do you get that 30,000 in there to try and be fair to every supporter that's bought season tickets? And you know, Celtic Rangers, Motherwells, all these clubs... Uh, all the supporters are putting their hands deep in their pockets and helping by buying season tickets. Yeah, that's the thing because clubs will be looking at it and they'll be thinking, well, we could maybe do a, a ballot and you know this section of season ticket holders get in for this game and then this section of season ticket holders get in for this game or you try and group households and families together and you know they, yeah. they'll be together and socially distanced from others but there's, there's just so many things for, for clubs to think uh, about. It's uh, going to be a bit of a headache. It's going to be a difficult road. Uh, but I just think it's positive that we can get people in. And also the fact that it does help with income as well to the clubs. Um, yeah, it's not going to be fair, of course it's not. Um, you know, because you'll probably have, say for instance, oh, we'll let 30,000 Celtic supporters into this game, home game this week. The following two weeks down the line, they're playing, not, you know, maybe a Hamilton Ackies instead of a Rangers Aberdeen and they're going well they got the bigger game same with Rangers same with Motherwolves and, and teams like that uh, it's going to be a difficult one but I think that we've just got to take it one stage at a time 
you know, and uh, as I say, we're up and running now. We've got the 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 forward thinking of football coming in August the first, hopefully, and everything will be fine. And then the next plan is to try and see how safely we can get supporters back to the game they love. Oh one four one nine five one one zero two five on the phone lines. John is a Rangers fan in Paisley. John, what are your thoughts tonight? Hey, my first point is how you know the games are going to start back because Hearts and hey, Party Thistle can still get a chance to hey, scrub the league. That's a very good point. Oh, that's the first part, Gordon. Yeah, John, John, that's true. But just just now, uh, it's planning to start back in August the first, and uh, so I'm just going right. with that. So hey, listen. We never know what's round the corner. We didn't know in, in February, March, uh, beginning of March, what was going to happen over the, the, the last three months, John. So I just look That's at right. trying to be positive and say, right, we've penciled in for August the 1st. I'm keeping my fingers crossed like everybody else. Uh, but you're right, right, things could crop up that could stop that. Well, that's the thing, Gordon. I, right. I say this all the time. Not that I need to say it. I'm not a lawyer. You're, you're not a lawyer, certainly. Um, I but don't know about that. We, know, we know that there is a court date set now. It mm-hmm. is on Tuesday. I would think that sounds promising because it is very early. This, uh, this process so far up to this point has been very quick, but we don't know what's going to happen after this. But at least at the moment, it seems to. Yes, I have one second, John. Um, but at the moment, it seems to be sort of moving quite quickly. We're all just hoping, really, that we can get that football underway. And, and it's the right way, Andrew. We have to move quickly. We have to get it sorted out one way or another and then start planning forward. Simple as that. Sorry, John. On you go. Right, Gordon. John. See, every game is played behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. Season ticket holders are entitled to a refund. Um. They're entitled to a refund for every game it's played behind closed doors. Well, the thing is, Gordon, it's, it's different for every club at the moment. Clubs are all doing their own thing at the moment when it comes to virtual season tickets. Mm-hmm. We've we've heard, um, you know, fans that have been unhappy with the way that their clubs are, mm-hmm. are dealing with it. We've seen um, some innovative ways that clubs have done it. Some clubs appear to be, you know, just you pay your season ticket in full, and whether you, you the watch the game, not, yeah. whether you watch the game on TV or whether you watch it in the ground. What you pay is what you pay. Whereas other teams, I think Kilmarnock are doing this, the likes of Motherwell are doing this, you can basically carry it over into next season and get a discount into next season. But the, the financial impact is going to be different for every club. It just depends how each club is dealing with We're it. We're in a position, it's very hard for clubs, Andrew. You've got to accept that. But I also accept the fact that fans are, are, are shelling out good money and they deserve, if they're going to pay for it, they, they deserve to have a product. But you look at the end of the season there when it was called that a lot of clubs were coming out and saying, well, look, if fans come for a refund, it's going to cost the club X and Y. And fans were deciding, no, I support my club. I'm quite happy to keep, you know, let them keep the money. I totally understand what the situation was. The simple fact is that, John, just now, clubs, as Andrew said, are different. They're having different ways of approaching this. The simple is you either part with your money or you say, I'm not parting with my money. You know, if if you're not happy with the conditions of you giving your hard-earned money over to your football club, obviously Rangers in your your uh, case here, then it's, you're right not to give that money over. But Gordon, wait a minute, Gordon. You're saying it's a hard given, right? If, if you're going to play behind closed doors, right, because the SPFL want this, right, mm-hmm. it's not a clubs. You, if you look at, right, Rangers TV costs £6. You're paying an average of £22 a ticket. And this is the SPFL idea, no Rangers' idea. By law, you're entitled to a refund. And that's, uh, by the way, you can't argue with it. You can say what you want to say. But legally, they're breaking the contract with you. I mean, I, 
I can't say I know the, the ins and outs of the refund but the thing is they, they are restructuring their season tickets all clubs to, to involve these virtual season tickets and I know John said that you know Rangers TV cost £6 and you're paying £22 a game but the £6 for Rangers TV that you pay doesn't actually cover watching a game at 3 o'clock on a Saturday because that wasn't a thing in the UK mm-hmm. before you couldn't watch a game at 3 o'clock on a Saturday whether you think it's worth £22 or not some people will say I'm happy to to put that towards my club some people will say no I want a refund but as it stands it is just a, an awkward John, one because John, so. John can I you know obviously I'm I'm a little bit different the fact that you know I go to the games and I'm very fortunate that I don't have to Pay to get into them because I'm working there. You're a you you. At least you're honest, you, you, you're honest. By the way, you even at least you admit you're quite lucky. You even says it's my job. By the way, God, that's the best thing I've heard you say in a long while. Thank you very, thank you very much. You're quite fortunate. You even it's my job because mm. he doesn't pay an either. And he's good at criticising But carry on Sorry for interrupting yeah. you No no John I, I thank To be you fair Hugh doesn't go to the no. games either He's stuck I, in here on a Saturday I, I thank you for that, your kind words there John But I'm still waiting for your first words I agree with you um, You're you're a, a Ranger supporter Can I ask you then as a supporter Are you renewing your season ticket? Yes I've already paid it yeah You've already paid it So yeah, you're obviously happy yeah. with the conditions That Rangers have set on your season tickets I'm not happy with SPL's conditions. It's not David Rangers. Rangers, it's SPFL. Why the SPFL come up with this virtual season ticket to save the SPFL money? I don't agree with. But it's not to this save is the reason. The... It's just... Yes, it is. It's to pay back to so they don't need to pay Sky. The, the SPFL aren't benefiting from this, though. They've done this as an avenue to let clubs provide supporters yeah, to, to, by what, give the, to watch the games. To try and give the, the season ticket holders something back. So the SPFL don't if, actually if make any money closed, out of it. Yeah, you're right. But, John, you, you've renewed your season ticket. Of course, you're going to be disappointed if the games start behind closed doors. But you've got to understand the safety comes first. We all agree with that. And hopefully, you know, I just take every day at a time when I when I look at, for instance, Celtic talking today, where it's going to happen or not, at least I think it's a positive of saying, well, we're aiming to try and get 30,000 people in here. It could be pie in the sky, we don't know, but we have to wait until it comes along and then decide. But, John, I, I, I sympathise with you. I know that you want to go and support your team, but just now it's, we're... we're you know, in a different situation. Well, thank you to John N. Paisley, 01419511025. Give that a ring, and we could be speaking to you after the travel with Stephen. Taking your calls on Scottish football, 01419511025. This is Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Gordon DL here with me, Andrew McLean, on the final part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Uh, obviously, I've been talking about the Potential fans being back in the grounds. Obviously, the the coronavirus has swept through football. A lot of things have been happening. One of the other ones is the financial impact that it's had on clubs. Aberdeen boss Derek McInnes says he won't be forced to sell his best players for knockdown prices. The club began talks with players and staff about cuts last week, but he says there's no prospect of new signings anytime soon. Things can change. You could players could move on from here. Players could get sold, and all of a sudden there's maybe opportunities to do something there. Um, but as it stands, the squad is is um, is, um, is is where we are at the minute. So we're not looking actively um, to add to the squad. So if um, we lost any players for whatever reason, um, um, then we might be able to to revisit that. Well, we do accept as a club we've got um, some very good young players who obviously attract plenty of attention. Um, 
and we would be naive to think that we wouldn't be be getting offers in for for any of our players um, this summer. You know, I think the club's robust enough and and strong enough um, not to have a fire sale and just take any offer that comes. That just shows the current financial state that we're in at the moment. The fact that Derek McInnes is saying, you know, they've signed Johnny Hayes, but they probably can't bring in anyone else at the moment. Yeah, they signed Johnny Hayes and it's... uh... He came out and stated that he's not taking any wages. Yeah, yeah. Derek McInnes actually said today the only reason they were able to yeah. sign him was because he's deferred yeah. his wages. You look at the the situation with with Hibbs as well. Uh, Leanne Dempster's come out and said about the cuts and everything that's got to happen there because of the financial situation. Do you know? I, I just wonder, Andrew, and I know that's difficult times. I would like to see clubs who've invested a lot of money into their academies. Where's their young talent coming through? Especially this season They're going to need a big squad uh, There are going to be a lot of games Testing times I, I look at clubs in the Premier League and, and Hamilton are a perfect example And I think Motherwell started as well By giving the youngsters The opportunity to go out there and play And they've responded to it I think other clubs need to start Instead of going out there And looking to spend Hundreds of thousands of pounds And bringing in players uh, From you know England or abroad Or wherever it may be why not just look in your front door? Why not look at the young lads that have been at your club for, you know, three, four, five years and come through the academy? Give them an opportunity. Uh, I know it's difficult for managers because if it doesn't work for you, you're the first one that carries the, the blame and you get you, you lose your job. But we're in, cir- we're in circumstances where, that, you know, difficult times where clubs are really having to cut back. I just think if you're going to promote youth, and we always talk about it, I think this is a perfect time. David is an Aberdeen fan in Broomhouse. David, you know that Johnny Hayes has come in. Derek McInnes saying that you know we can't really see any signings coming in in the near future because of the the financial implications. What do you make of the state of your squad at the moment? If you're not able to bring anyone else in. Oh, good evening, guys. Um, yeah, I was very concerned about um, the state of the squad, um, but it's definitely a, a huge boost the return of Johnny Hayes because you could bring back. Um, you know, some the experiences had with Celtic, the trophies he's won, and the experiences gained, and 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 the confidence that will that will bring to the squad. I think it's a it's a massive uh, boost, and also he can play in more than one position, which is what Derek McInnes is always looking for for signing as well. So it's 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 alleviated some concerns. I've said I've said in this programme since Johnny Hayes um, came down from Aberdeen and and joined Celtic. And everyone's picked me up wrong in the statement I always said. I said that uh, Johnny Hayes was a Celtic player and an Aberdeen, uh, sorry, an Aberdeen player in a Celtic strip. And by what I meant was the fact that I, I think Johnny Hayes is a great player for Aberdeen to have. I think he'll play Absolutely. probably week in, week out, which he wouldn't have. And it, it showed he didn't do it with Celtic, but still... You know, he, he, he come down and, and, and done well for Celtic, won some trophies. But I just think that going to Aberdeen and he can play uh, in a, a number of positions, he's very experienced. And the good thing about coming to Celtic is he knows now how to win, uh, to go over a line, and that'll help in the dressing room as well. So uh, I kept saying about, I thought Johnny Hayes' p- place was an Aberdeen player, if you, if, well. if you get what I was trying to put over. What I, would, what I would add to that though is um, he, he went to Rome and he played uh, the entire 90 minutes for Celtic, I believe, when they, they beat Lazio. And also, he, you know, he scored a, 
a second goal and um, Ibrox for Celtic at the beginning of last season. So oh yeah, yeah, I think I think you know, he's done a lot in the games he has played. Yeah, he's playing a lot of big games. I'm not arguing. I'm not arguing that case. I'm just talking sure. over the over the course of his career, playing, you know, week in week out, being that, you know, first pick every week. It was never going to happen at Celtic for him. Mm-hmm. Me personally, I think that he'll probably play ninety odd percent of the games at Aberdeen if he's fit, and also he's he's can play in anywhere down that left hand side and he's yeah. he's come up back up to Aberdeen and I think that is a terrific bit of business I really do and it shows you how much Johnny Hayes want, wanted to come back to Aberdeen because he could have went to a club and guaranteed his wages every month but he's decided no I want to go back up to Aberdeen I want to go up there and you know enjoyed my football before I went to Celtic and I think he's a great bit of business for Derek McInnes Did you have a final point quickly David? Uh, yes, I'm just not happy about uh, the, the talk of the first um, Celtic Rangers game being moved back later in, in the year. I just don't think um, the fixture list should be manipulated in that way. I think it should be more randomly generated. You know, I think it's bad enough that Celtic Rangers never have to play each other in the first game of the season and the way their, re- their games are refereed differently. Players don't get yellow cars and red cars you know, to avoid inciting crowds and things like that. Whereas other teams have to have the rules applied more um, fairly or more evenly. Um, and you know if, if a team like my team Aberdeen or, or Motherwell or Hibs tries to put a run together and, and tries to win get on a winning run from, run from the start of the season they have to go to Ibrox and Celtic Park or maybe even both early in the season and that, that could you know derail their, their, their attempt to, to get to the top of the league whereas Celtic and Rangers get to avoid each other uh, for a lot longer and you know they're avoiding the hardest game of the season for, for, for longer so I just don't think the, the fixtures should be manipulated I don't think it's right, irrespective of how many uh, fans it allows to be in the stadium or not. Well, it certainly isn't because um, Sky have already said as well that, that, that they want the game early. I just think that um, it's going to be very strange. And I could understand the argument that, you know, not the argument, I think it was just uh, the fact he made a statement. Neil Lennon would said, you know, we'd prefer it to be put back a little bit to try and get the, the, the fans in because everyone knows that's our, that's our game. That's our marquee game, Celtic and Rangers. No disrespect to Aberdeen, they're a, they're a big club, but Celtic and Rangers, that's, that's a game that the reason Sky comes in and pays a big money because the, 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 they want that game. But if it has to be behind closed doors, then both teams will just need to do, like every other team in the Premier League has, got on with it. That's the thing, you can see the point from other clubs that, you know, if you start changing that game, then why can't we ask for our games to get changed? Yeah, I, I, I totally can. Uh, but I can also see the the other side of the argument that this is our marquee game. This is the biggest game in our calendar. Uh, and you can't deny that. But um, we now know that that's not going to be the case. It's not going to be pushed back. And if it is behind closed doors, as I say, both teams will just need to handle that. Well, thank you to David in Broomhouse for your call tonight. We'll be back tomorrow night. Alison Conroy in the studio with Alex Ray. Thank you to Gordon DL in the studio. Make sure to stick around because Callum Gallagher is up next.